0: For the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. As I start uh, my reflections this morning, I should say that uh, Frank, uh, Frank here is uh, he's representing James and Margie and Kate who are helping me lead the service from their homes this morning. It has been an interesting few weeks as we have continued to work out how to be church in our homes. One of the areas we've struggled with is how do we gather for worship, if at all, while we remain in our homes as a dispersed community. I wonder what it is that you have missed most about normal church. There have been lots of routes taken by A number of churches on how we might gather in our homes. Um, Some parishes have uh, encouraged people to engage with other online services or services on television or radio. Some have offered written resources uh, and said use those and not offered very much online at all if anything. Some have used Zoom to gather people And that's, I think, all of us uh, led to uh, all of us having to rapidly learn how to use that platform, whether we've used it uh, for services or for meetings or for morning teas. Um, It's been a big learning curve over the last four to five weeks. Some have been doing Facebook Live services, as we did to start off with, and others, like us now, have put videos on Facebook or YouTube and invited people to watch those and engage in that way. And like us, there are others who have used a combination of those things. One of the areas there's been a lot of debate about around the world has been whether or not to offer communion. It's been quite contentious. A friend of mine berated me last week for not offering it. He said he told me it wasn't good enough that we weren't and that we needed to do that for those for whom it was important. Our diocese, I think, has made the decision to make the decision. Uh, to not offer Communion, and in the discussions around that I have to say I supported that even though my rule of life as a Franciscan requires me to receive Communion or to take part in a Eucharist at least once a week, either as a priest or a receiving. And I, like others, miss that opportunity, I mean normally in a week I would be engaged in three or four Eucharistic services. So I thought I'd take some time this morning to talk about uh, why I think that's the right decision. And I understand that there are those who will disagree with me, and that's fine. There was a time when we talked about communion as something which was between God and me. We talked about making my communion. And the language in the older prayer books, particularly the Book of Common Prayer, was I. I, all the way through. But our new prayer book uses the word we and that's a very significant change in theology in worship in general and in communion in particular the emphasis has moved from god and me to god and us us the gathered community at communion, we gather around the table, the Eucharistic table. And we gather with all who have and will gather around that table for every Eucharist before and after us, whether we like it or not. And you know, one of the contentious things in the communion is who can go to that table. When we gather around that table, we gather with Jesus' friends and his disciples at all the meals that he uh Uh, took part in, led and particularly the Last Supper where he reminded them of his radical lesson in leadership and being community which culminated in him washing his disciples' feet. And so when we gather around the Eucharistic table we're not only reminded of the Last Supper but we are reminded of all the meals that he ate with those who the religious hierarchy had declared beyond the boundaries of social, political and religious community, the outsiders. And so for me, when we gather, we gather around the Eucharistic table, we are invited to join in Christ's ongoing mission and ministry of removing those boundaries and declaring all to be God's beloved, not as individuals, but as God's community, as of hope. So for me, at least, until we can gather around the table again, we will wait. We will wait in anticipation. And I know that for some, that is hard. I appreciate that. But for me, it is the only way forward. One of the hard things, and one of the gifts of this time, is that our normal way of being church is is off-limits for the time being, which is why I'm sitting in my music room trying to lead a service. Some of the rituals and gatherings that might normally help us see the risen Christ are unavailable. And we're invited to pay attention in some new or different ways, outside of normal church rhythms. And as I said in the pew sheet theme, some have enjoyed this, some are struggling, some have enjoyed some aspects of this and are struggling with others, and some feel like they are still locked in the tomb, waiting for liberation. In the midst of all of this, we are offered the story of the road to Emmaus, a story of two disciples encountering Jesus while they trod, paint the painful, the pain-filled road to their old normal life. A road they, unlike us, do not want to walk. I think most of us would be reasonably enthusiastic to get back to some semblance of normal life. So I wonder how being in week five of lockdown changes how we might read the story. One of the things I noticed as I read it is that we could not be part of the story at the moment. You're not allowed to invite strangers into your bubble and had all sorts of questions about social distancing as the story continued. So we have two disciples trapped in their own tomb, just as they thought Jesus was still trapped in his. They are lost in their grief at all that was lost in Jesus' death. Not only Jesus, but all their hopes for the coming reign of God's justice and peace, all died on that cross And we're all entombed with him. And then Jesus appears. Only they don't recognize him. He is not as he was. And Jesus does three things. And I think think those three things are important invitations for us in our time. The first is he invites them to tell their story. And in doing so... To name all their hopes and all their loss and grief found in this story. It's a really important part of the road to Emmaus. Allowing people to tell what has happened. And to name their hopes in all of this. And how we respond, whether with joy or grief, anger, jubilation, numbness. There are no right feelings. So if we were to tell the story of this lockdown, what would it include? What are your hopes in all of this? How are you feeling? Is this something you can share with others? Or just in prayer to God? The second thing Jesus does is link their story into the story of scripture and we don't know which how jesus did that and which parts of the bible he used to do that so the invitation for us is to well what stories and passages from scripture come to mind as we think about our experience over the last four or five weeks and as you look ahead What are the scriptures that help you make sense of all of that? And then the third thing that Jesus does is he accepts their invitation to hospitality. Now, they're offering that hospitality is not unusual. It would have been expected. It would have been rude for them not to offer. But in the midst of that meal, Jesus does a very odd thing. And I wonder if you've ever noticed that. He is the guest of that meal, and yet he takes on the role of host. And he does the same as he did at the feeding of the 5,000. He takes bread, he gives thanks, he breaks it, and he gives it to them. Now there are lots of people who would suggest that this is about the Eucharist and by Eucharist they mean a very narrow definition of Eucharist as a sacrament and I think what this story does is help us remember the origins of Eucharist to break down some of the boundaries we've placed around it if you like to take down the altar rails and to again see Jesus radical generosity and invitation in the meals he shared with the 5,000 and so many others and how he uh, wasn't doing something different at the Last Supper and certainly wasn't doing something different here. He was reminding people of that. So in that moment when he breaks the bread, when he takes the bread, when he gives thanks, when he breaks it and gives it to them, in that moment, in that moment they remember. They remember all that jesus had done before and they recognize him in that very ordinary act this is not a special act this is not a eucharistic act in the way that we would normally understand that word this was somebody who did what people did at every single meal taking bread breaking it giving it to those at the table some commentators have said Uh, This is the most Jesus thing that Jesus ever did. Breaking bread, breaking bread and sharing it with people. Including, as I've already said, many he should not have been sharing table with. And whenever he did that, he was enacting Mary's song of hope from the beginning of the gospel. So Jesus takes bread, a very ordinary act. An act that reminds people of what Jesus did throughout his ministry and at that moment the risen Christ is is made known to them and everything changes, everything, nothing is ever the same again. The old normal is replaced by a much more dynamic new normal. So I think this story offers us three things in our bubbles. The first is an invitation to talk about how this time is for us, for better or for worse. And then there's an invitation about which passages or stories of Scripture come to mind as we tell our stories. And what do those and to wonder what do those stories passages have to offer us. And then finally, the invitation is for every time we eat to take give thanks and to share and to be open to the risen Christ being present in our midst as we do this very Jesus thing. Like those two disciples, it's hard for us to know what our new normal will be like. It's hard to know whether we'll ever get back to how life was two months ago and if we do that, how long that will take we're in a bit of limbo just as they were so I wonder what are the gifts of how to be church out of this time what can we take forward into our new normal whatever that might look like and as we pray about that let us remember that the risen Christ still appears to people in quite ordinary ways quite ordinary, everyday ways. So even though we can't do our normal church things, I invite you to the next time you are at meal with bread to take that bread, to give thanks, and to break it and share it with others if you can, and to talk about how this time has been for you. And as you do that, to be open to the risen Christ being there in your midst inviting you and us into a new normal.